Welcome to episode 44 of Expanding Beyond. Sorry for the break. Uh, there are holidays and sicknesses and I don't know what else happening right now. So All of it. All of it at the same time. How are you doing, Monica? <laughs> I was doing well until two days ago because I was on holiday, first of all. I was on holiday for 10 days and then I came back and I got sick, as uh, I assume you can all hear by my voice. Uh, so... Yes, I was better a couple of days ago, <laughs> but all is good overall. Great. And you? Yes. So this is my last week before my two-week holiday. Um, yeah, uh, stuff is uh, happening. You're busy and uh, more about holidays than <laughs> about yes. work, I would say. Uh, trying to pick up work that you can finish really uh, quick so that you don't have a half-finished story hanging that you hand, have to hand over and stuff like That's that. That's very but, considerate of you. Yeah, it's just, yeah, I don't like leaving <laughs> stuff unfinished. <laughs> I mean, for, for two weeks is a very long yeah, time. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I already have one that's not going to be done. So that's not, I didn't uh -huh. want to add more than, than that. Okay, okay. Do you do any, any uh, handover stuff like this? I mean, for that one story, I will uh, hand that over. But otherwise, it's not like I do stuff that no one else can do. Mm -hmm. I don't see, apart from one developer less on the team, I don't really see uh, how that's going to affect the team much. That's a very good point. Uh, that's why redundancy is important. I remember having this conversation with another engineering manager that has not a redundancy in some of the roles on his team and uh, he's in the states and uh, he was like yeah there there's an engineer that uh, would like to go on holidays for for two weeks but you know like we don't really do that here usually the most you get is a week uh, so we need to align on that and i was like okay if you need i mean you have other problems if you are blocked by not having an engineer for two weeks. <laughs> yeah, that is true. And that is slightly different than uh, what happens to me. If I had a PM, I uh, think that I now do. This guy joined last week. If I had a PM, there would be some redundancy anyways. I am just one missing link. Usually the PM is pretty involved with the team. So the engineers and the, EM and the PM can, can talk to each other. But because I was doing also PM work, Without me, there is a significant part of the chain that is missing. So talking with stakeholders and aligning this and driving this other initiative and blah, blah, blah. And all these things cannot wait. Or they can, but not for long. And I need to leave some things said for others to make sure that if something pops up, they know what's the status. So I took the habit of sending a post to on our Slack channel, the priorities that I have for the team so that that gives direction to the team. And then what are the possible questions that might pop up? So there's this thing that is pending. I got this question. This is what I would answer, blah, blah, blah. That's what I do. I, I do a little bit of a handover. Yeah. And apart from that, um, I don't know if you mentioned it last time, probably not because it was so early, but it's our two-year anniversary of the podcast already. Yes. So we did the first introduction I don't know, two minute introduction, introductory <laughs> episode in May, two years ago, and the first real one in June. So whoop, whoop, actually whoop. pretty cool. Yeah. Yes. Two years. Wow. Okay. We met once in person, right? Yes. <laughs> in two years. Only once. 
Well, twice. I came to your place not long ago. Oh, yeah. True. Yeah. So once a year. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Next year then again or something. Or when the chilies are ready. I don't know. Yes, Let's see. exactly. <laughs> All right. So this week, uh, my topic is actually system design. I was involved this week in a session with one of our teams. Mm -hmm. um, they are task was tasked with uh, sort of extracting part of uh, the core application sort of the core monolith that the my company bill ha has into a separate application and at the same time basically redesigning it and sort of uh, redoing it a bit to make it sort of the process a bit simpler and also at the same time have a more stable system and and stuff like that so uh, we did the system design session where I don't know, three, four hours, we at the team, I and one of the engineering managers, we sat together and we tried to map out on the one hand, what the thing is supposed to do sort of as an MVP and also long-term what the whole uh, scope roughly is supposed to be. And then we tried to tease out uh, what kind of technology uh, stack that would need. Do you need a database? Do you need some kind of background queuing system or stuff like that? And then, yeah, that was kind of an interesting experience to, to join in. Yeah, I would be curious, actually. So that's why I have a couple of questions there. Like, so this was a collaborative exercise. Yeah, so that is was the whole team, um, all the developers and the product owner of that team that is supposed to build this. Uh -huh. It's a fairly new team or at least most members of the team haven't been in the company long so they don't uh, really have the knowledge of what the system currently does and what the pain points are of the thing that they're replacing so it was a mix of a hey let 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 us explain uh, what the problem space is and then once that is sort of clear let's try to define some kind of architecture. Hey, there needs to be a, I don't know, an application, front end, back end, web app. And here are a few components that we probably need to have. Okay. That's interesting because, you know, like usually when you do this interviews, it's um, focused on system design. That was always my impression. Like it, it's not reflecting the reality of when we do this because it is a, a group exercise and trying to mimic that alone. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it was basically the product owner more or less brought the workflow already more pre-prepared, but then there were, of course, of course, a lot of detailed question of what that actually means, especially for the people that didn't yet know the system well enough to sort of know the company jargon and what that actually means and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And you were there in which capacity? So the team had basically asked, hey, we need some support with the system design. <laughs> that mm -hmm. was more or less all that I knew. And I knew the problem space. And I sort of offered to help in more in the sense of, hey, I know the system well. I can give you pointers on what it currently does, where the tricky bits lie that you maybe want to avoid. So I, I wasn't there in the capacity of telling the team, hey, this is what you need to do. But it was more like, hey, how have you, this is how the system currently does it. 
and these are the problems. And then I try to more be a bit more of a facilitator along with the engineering manager to sort of tease out from the team what they thought would be the right approach. And then maybe ask questions and clarifications so that we could end up with some kind of document or st something where we either have agreed on things or we have at least written down the question marks, the unknowns where further research needs to be done by the team. Okay, okay, that's interesting. So differently than uh, what the usual architect picture is, um, you have been architecting together with this team by giving them basically the some context about the how the problem is solved currently and the boundaries that uh, they have to play within. Yes, I would say different from what uh, the what what people negatively think of an architect, I guess, sort of this old school. Hey, I sit here and I tell you what you need to do and what tools you're allowed to use. <laughs> yeah. And more in the, I would, I don't know, I would call it modern sense of, I try to help you, but you are an autonomous team. And in, this, in the end, you can decide what you want to do. But here are my, what I think, and then you can decide uh, what to do. And I'd rather ask you to answer these questions and sort of try to guide you that way, because in the end, people are going to do what they want anyway, right? It's not like an architect should be the person to decide all that stuff, because how could they? They don't really have the, they have a rough idea of what stuff supposed to be, but not the real details, I would say. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It reminds me a little bit about what my former boss was doing sometimes, literally just jumping in a room and and asking people to walk him through the thing. So letting people speak out loud about the how they were solving the problem and asking questions just here and there. Mm -hmm. There wasn't even a suggestion. So like, have you thought about X or Y? It was literally like, but what about X? And then... If the answer was there, then it was there. Otherwise, eh, okay, this is a blind spot, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And also sort of to clarify, I'm, I'm not even a software architect at the company, right? I'm just an experienced developer from some other team. Even if I had ideas, I, I wouldn't even have any authority to to mandate anything, right? It's not, not like this would be company policy to do that anyway, but it, um, it's very far from my status at this point anyway. This is what I what I meant back in the days when I said, or I read, I don't even recall if it was me saying it or, <laughs> or me reading it. But I, I in general, I don't really like this, this idea. Like everybody's doing architecture. The, the difference is that with more seniority, especially more than seniority, tenor in the company, then you can, that's exactly what an architect is supposed to be, a very experienced engineer in that space. That's it. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, yeah. If you look at it in the modern sense that it's someone that is not uh, uh, mandating what people should do. And how did you, uh, your group, uh, consolidated this, uh, this conversation? Because I assume, so was it a workshop? Um. Yes, so there were there, obviously the team had talked about stuff before, and they had uh, had some 
design documents already. So we quickly walked over them to sort of uh, sort of get everyone on the same page, what the team already had looked at and what they thought about. And then we just opened a MyReward, so some kind of online tool where I can put uh, sticky notes and arrows and stuff. And we just started to put sticky notes there and try to sort of walk through one of the workflows that this tool is supposed to do. And then at that point, figure out, hey, if we want to support this workflow, what kind of technical machinery would that need? And then we sort of did it on a very high level and say, hey, there needs to be a database to store it. And then if there were some detailed questions that some people came up with, we just obviously noted them all down, but we tried to, uh, for this round, keep it at a very high level and just get a broad overview of what the thing should do and sort of all the unknowns should be written down somewhere sort of to have them to remember that you need to further discuss them. That was more or less the approach. So sort of get a first broad overview of what it should do and what probably the uh, biggest points to research uh, are Still, there were some unclear product requirements uh, that we ended up with saying, hey, we are not entirely sure what this is supposed to do. And until we know, we can't fully uh, give you a design of how it should work. So we need to have some clearer requirements and stuff like that. And this is a document or, I mean, some some... Uh, information collection that is basically for the team itself. Yes. Or... And so not with this team, but in, in my team for us, this is always a living doc document basically. And we go back, I don't know, currently we go back two twice a week, uh, but there were week, weeks where we basically every day we went back to this design document and sort of clarified more points and said, hey, and now we've written four or five stories and we put it them in there. And we sort of, to me, this is a very iterative process and you sort of start on the high level and you have a rough idea and then you need to start to drill down and say, hey, we're focusing on this part. We want to build it. Uh, what else needs to be there to figure out how it's actually going to work and then work on it so that that has worked for us much better, such a tool than just a text file, because then you can sort of have a lot of sticky notes and you have arrows drawn between them and then you link it to Jira tickets. And I think that gives you a much better overview of, hey, here's this red sticky note and we haven't clarified that point yet. Or, hey, here's the list of sticky notes, but there are no Jira tickets we have yet written for them. And it's just, I, I really like this this visual approach of, putting everything there and then you can hopefully right away see what still needs to be done. No, I think that's that's great. I really like what you said at the very uh, the very last where you said that like this is an iterative process. Like it's not happening one off and uh, it's being if someone hears some noise, that's my cat for whatever reason in two years she decided that today was the best day to finally pay attention to a toy that she never paid attention to <laughs> um so uh so it's it's interesting because in, in an iterative fashion it's like people expect that this is something that happens once and then it's set in stone whilst instead it's similar to the 
concept that is being done by the PM and usually the PM and the, the design, uh, the UX uh, designer, um, when it comes more to the concept of the feature that, that we're gonna, uh, that the team is gonna implement. Maybe not all features require this level of, you know, like engagement for so long, but um, in my experience, uh, unless you are in the execution mode like in the very last moments of uh of the implementation yeah that is something that in my experience i i missed yeah yeah so here at this company we are sort of trying to get better at figuring out when stuff is done sort of give a, at least a bit of forecast on how long stuff is taking and then you sort of need to spend a bit more on the design upfront right it's not like the team's going or we let me speak of my team. We are designing everything in the beginning and then we just spend two months executing it. We're sort of mixing it, but now we are doing a bit more to sort of have a bit of a more runway and say, hey, and these are all the things we roughly want to do. It's not on the level where you can really say this is 200 story points and then we're done. But at least we have a rough idea of, I don't know, there's like 10 sticky notes on the board might and you get at least an idea of the complexity and then we try to sort of get even more granular until we end up with a thing that is a list of stories and then can implement them and then you can see how many are still left that's pretty cool pretty cool i'm, I'm kind of jealous now <laughs> i mean i'm jealous because uh, i would like to to see something like that uh, uh first end let's say yeah, I mean, it's not perfect, obviously. Um, we are sort of, I don't know, right now it's a bit, we probably need to spend a bit more time actually ending, ending up writing stories that we can actually work on because now it's like we have a runway of maybe one week <laughs> yeah. of stories. Um, so that also doesn't give you a really good estimate on when you're done because if it's just, I don't know, 10% of the thing you need to do is in stories, and then it's very hard to estimate how long it's still taking. So, but at least the team is doing it collaboratively. Co collaboratively. Oh, can't yes, say what's today. Collaborate. Well, no, not today. Um, but at least the team is doing it together and everyone knows where we're heading. I think that's already uh, pretty good instead of just ending up, I don't know, here's a refinement. Please tell me the number of points and then people start at asking question at the at that moment right yeah yeah what i was thinking is that i mean the the rationale for this is again you cannot estimate oh, or the error in the estimation when you don't know exactly the details of what you should do um gets bigger the, the the fewer details you know right so yeah. basically what what the company is trying to do is reducing this error in uh, time estimation and therefore in costs and uh, that can be expressed also with i don't know like dependencies and, and things like that some time ago i was reading i think it's a book on product management it was instead claiming that what we should do is looking at how close we are to our objectives. Like instead of planning for when something is going to be done, 
It's like, okay, uh, how how close are we to hitting our goal or the goal that we set for, for ourselves? I am still a bit on the fence on that because in the end, I, I don't know about your your company, but especially in my previous company where we had to work with marketing pretty close, there are needs for dates. Um, so I don't think that, at least in my experience, I don't think that dates can can be completely, you know, like dismissed from from the equations. Yeah, I mean, that is exactly the need, right? Marketing needs to have time to prepare material and therefore needs a rough idea when stuff is going to be done. And then customer support talks to customers or prospects, and they also would like to have a rough idea of when stuff is going to be done. So it's just a trade-off, right? Now the team spends more time figuring, figuring out those details a bit earlier instead of just chugging along and saying, yeah, we're done when we're done. That's always a trade-off, I guess. Yeah, so basically I find, I wouldn't call it naive, but you know, like uh, too rose-colored, the fact that uh, as engineers, sometimes we say, yeah, it's going to be done when it's going to be done, or it's seldom the right answer, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I think sometimes developers are making it too easy for them as well, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> in that sense. Because when you say, hey, this is the date, then that at least also means you have to make sure or you have to really decide what the scope is supposed to be. Yes. And I think that's also helpful when you say, hey, we're going to deliver that and that means this and this is happening and these things are going to happen later. Yeah. And then you can sort of go that way and say, hey, we're not giving you an estimate of how long the whole thing is going to take, but we are going giving you a date for this part that is a bit closer. And I guess maybe that's a compromise. That's okay for most people. That's a very good point. Yeah. And obviously it's very easy to talk about it and then doing it is <laughs> another thing, of course. I was reflecting now that that's exactly what I've been doing so far. I've been trying to cut scope as much as I could. So, like, I know that some, like, the other functions downstreams are uh, relying on, on us delivering certain things by a certain date. And that date is not that movable, actually. I mean, it can, but it has a cost. So what I've tried to do is, uh, that brings me actually to the topic I wanted to talk about. Um, I've been trying to cut scope and reduce the amount of uh, priorities that uh, the team has to has to deal with. So it's uh, it's really like okay, let let's see what makes the cut and what actually ends up on the on the studio floor. Mm -hmm. um, or at least for me, it has been more effective than than other methods for reducing uncertainty on when something is going to be delivered because you really end up thinking about what is the bare minimum? What is that I cannot do without? Yeah. What is the sequence uh, there? There are still things that, that need to be paid attention to. So the infamous topic of, uh, let's call it technical and product debt, if you never address that, 
you're going to be uh, having other problems. And that usually feels like it's not the most important thing, but uh, that's when the second layer of prioritization uh, should uh, should come. But yeah, in general, I found it more effective. Yeah, and then I guess it's easier to work back and say, hey, well, now we have suddenly some extra time. I mean, that's not happening often. <laughs> I was about <laughs> but, to say, like, when, when that happened? I mean, if you're really strict, I guess you can have yes. that happen, right? You say, hey, yeah. here's the bare minimum. And uh, luckily, we can also deliver a feature more. That's easier to also easier to sell, I guess, than the other way around. Say, whoops, <laughs> now we can't deliver what we promised. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's also true. It actually happened to me that I had a, a team not having any big priorities on on the product side. So we're like, eh, we can also do this and that, blah, blah. But it was, I mean, in that instance was more a little bit of a dysfunction. I, I would, I really would like to have a sane conversation with someone at some point. <laughs> <laughs> But actually, I had something like this not not long ago. Yeah, but now I'm digressing. So, so how does that make you feel? Mm, what exactly? I mean, the informal role of a shepherd, in a way, for for this team. Was that something that you enjoy, or was it boring? Was it uh, challenging? Yeah, it was fun. Uh, what I noticed is that. It's very easy to fall into the trap of suggesting stuff, mm-hmm. which I guess the team would, I guess most teams would sort of accept, assuming, hey, you are an experienced developer. Uh, we're going to trust you that this is right. But I guess in the end, what you want is that the team themselves come to an agreement and decide, hey, this is what we want to do because we think this is right. And I guess it's important to, to sort of ask the questions, but then most times sort of stay on the sidelines and just ask the team to clarify things. And then whatever they come up with, it's in the end, they're, they're the team that implements it and maintains it. So I guess they also have the right to decide how they're going to do it. It's pretty cool, but also a bit, I don't know, some, especially at the beginning when I was moderating similar sessions. I mean, it wasn't exactly system design, but I was moderating the conversation with the engineers of my team. Um, it was really hard, yeah, to do that. To just, you know, like, okay, I need to shut up, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, yeah. It's also a switch uh, from, I don't know, on my team, I'm just one of the developers and we discuss mm-hmm. stuff, right? And the role yeah. is completely different here. Yeah, that's why I was saying, like, especially at the beginning, when I didn't yet made that much space between me and uh, the implementation. So, yeah, it was a good week, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it was It was an interesting experience, and I wouldn't mind doing that more often, definitely, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, where did I spend my week instead? I spent my weeks actually the past um, beside the the holidays my past two weeks or so road mapping or maybe that's even 
not exactly correct. I'm gonna say it why in a minute. Um, fundamentally, so we finished our big milestones, the migration, as I said some time ago, and it went cool or good. I mean, we had some hiccups, let's call it this uh, this way, but mm-hmm. considering the complexity of everything, uh, it was and the level of knowledge. Like, I mean, the system is complex and without knowing everything that goes on, it's it's really hard not to have something, you know, like a, a ball drop. Uh, so it's kind of expected. So I still consider yeah. the whole thing a success. Um, so I gave, <clears throat> basically, I, I let a week or so of, of time for like, people just to, to chill. I was like, okay, if you need some time off, take time off, blah, blah. And then I started thinking, how can we uh, do things differently? Uh, Also because um, many of the engineers on my team, especially the ones that have been working in the team for for some time, were telling me over and over again that, you know, like, oh, but this, uh, we have so much technical debt, this, that. And I was like, okay, but I really need their help to understand what this technical debt means because if I want to make space on the roadmap for it, and by on the roadmap, I mean, literally, if I want to make this a priority for the team, then I need to uh, to have more ammo to argue for this instead of that. So what I did was, um, was something that was suggested to me by, uh, well, one of the directors, uh, he works in a slightly, like in a different division, uh, but uh, he's still a very technical person. And it was like, you know what? To bridge the gap between strategy and implementation, we miss very often the execution in between. So really, again, it goes back, what is the bare minimum? What do we need to do? What are the dependencies, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it's, it's a technique that it's used in many, many formats. Basically, you diverge and then you converge. So what I did uh, after his suggestion was uh, provide a blank sheet that I shared with uh, all the engineers in the room. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take notes. You tell me everything that you think it's wrong, things that we need to fix. And I wanted to think about everything. Mm -hmm. It can be our team. It can be some other team. It can be something that it's uh, two years in the future, whatever and then second session and that that was very prolific it it, what i learned out of that session is that um, the hard part is to get context really the why why is this important so there were a couple of items or more than a couple some items that were uh, the solution and not the problem so Mm. what are you trying to fix why is this why is this piece of code, let's say, bothering you. Why do you think this is important? Uh, so you have to then dig out why uh, they want to do that. We then did a second session where um, I asked them to, uh, so I went through the document myself and I removed or gave feedback, let's say, on all the things that weren't directly something that my team could work on. I was like, okay, this is taken care of by this initiative. This is not in our scope. This is something that we can talk with X, Y, or Z. 
So these are the items that we have in our control. Now, based on this, you guys go and you tell me what is important and what is not by weighting this uh, this item by um, its complexity and let's say the cost. Mm-hmm. What was interesting was that in that session, I wasn't there. They did this on, on their own. Um, in the end, they decided not to use that, that uh, scale. And it was perfectly fine. Actually, it was even more interesting because they went through all of them and they assessed, yes, the complexity, but based on a different scale. And they actually left out things that I thought were something that were was uh, really important to them. And instead, they picked things that uh, I was expecting were less interesting because maybe they are less about cool engineering and it's more about uh, some, you know, like pain points that it's about. I don't know, like we are not having the right interface in our dashboard for this or that uh, customer support role or something Mm -hmm. like this. So, yeah, and, and then in hindsight, after... Uh, I had a, a fewer conversation down the road with with the stakeholders that allowed me actually to um, support stronger the timeline we came up with and the prioritization we made because I could argue with the stakeholders that the engineers are actually thinking about the problem as a whole. So mm-hmm. this piece of uh, I don't know, let's cover this piece of our flow with uh, unit tests. That is actually really important because otherwise we would have left it out because we have left out other things that were as important in my eyes or like if you look at them only from a technical perspective, but they are not that useful for the product. Actually, this test coverage is solving Problems like reacting faster to errors uh, when they are created in production, reducing integration errors when uh, changes from other teams are merged, and so on and so forth. So I could I could really use that as a as an argument, and it was a uh, it was a good a good lev- uh, leverage. Uh, so it was yeah. cool. Sounds like an experienced team that yes. actually thinks about the whole product and not about their their sort of pain points and thinking about, hey, how does this affect the product as a whole and the speed of development and back frequency and stuff? I actually had an an exchange with a stakeholder in particular where I I told them explicitly that actually the team so far has always or very often has sacrificed um, technical... uh, well-designed, well-designed technical implementation for making the deadlines. And I sometimes I actually have a couple of people in my team that I have to actively push to not do things for the user's sake, for the product's sake, for the business sake. Like, yeah, because, you know, like that's the topmost priority. It's like, no, you have to think in the long run. What is the most important thing that the, what is the second order consequence of this, right? Like it's fine to 
accumulate some debt now, it's not fine to do it always. Because yeah. then you pay the price, right? So this was just the beginning. Because then together, actually the, the two uh, senior guys that I have uh, leading technically the team, because I was wearing the hat of the product manager at that point, I asked them to um, put those things on a timeline. Like, okay, just let's figure this out. These are the constraints. We have to deliver this thing by this this uh, this date. We have this other dependency on, on this other date, et cetera, et cetera. How do we place this uh, there? And they came back to me with an awesome timeline that I was worried was still too full, but we are actually making it. So uh, hmm. they are, yeah, yeah. That's uh, not happening I mean, often. No, uh, but again, goes back to how senior they are uh, experienced mm -hmm. because they were realistic about those expectations. Uh, and I mean, I don't expect us to hit all the the dates, uh, but there's enough leeway to, you know, like uh, still play uh, with, uh, with the dates and making it. And then what I did, and here I think it was my first mistake, I started sharing this roadmap in one-on-ones with um, some of the stakeholders. I started with my boss because I wanted to have his feedback since he has more experience than me, especially in the company. And his first feedback was that there was still too much on the roadmap <laughs> for him. <laughs> like, okay, this is not a realistic timeline. You need to, to, to skim it. And the second thing was that it was missing the why. So I was listing many items in basically the order we uh, we want kind of like iterations like as i said <clears throat> cover with uh test this flow or um fix the structural issues uh identified in the milestone one etc uh, etc et so it was the level of detail was okay for the team that already knew so the product team that already knew the why we were doing that thing, mm -hmm. but it wasn't okay for people that are not working in the team in the on the implementation. If I want to talk with stakeholders that are not so close to product engineering, I need to look at the why we're doing this. So that's what I did. So I was like, okay, let's rework this map. I'll, this timeline, I'll do it in the, I mean, this mirror board has four versions of this timeline. Um, <laughs> another timeline there, I was like, okay, this is the why. So we, we worked on it together with my boss. And then I started presenting that one to uh, the stakeholders, actually. And some interesting insights were the less experience the manager was, the more the timeline was making sense to them or it contained the right level of information. So it was okay for people that were in the company since a while and they had worked very close with, with uh, engineers back in the days. Okay. When I presented that timeline to our new CTO, he let me go for a while. And then uh, after a few minutes, he was like, wait, 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 wait. How is the world going to look like after you have done this? This is what I'm missing. How it looks like right now and how it's going to look in the future. That's the why. And mm -hmm. it was very interesting because it was like, it's not a matter of, you know, like dates and so on. It's a matter of why is this important and should be done now? So 
the basically the gun chart that I'm presenting is not the right register if I want to discuss those things in a more um, senior in terms of like uh, level, let's say, uh, senior management round. Uh, and that is also reflected in what I saw happening because at the same time, the CPO was uh, sharing the, was creating and then sharing the product strategy for the whole company until the end of the year. And those slides, none of them had one single date. All of them were like Q3, Q4. These are the things that we're going to do. Why? Because this is the goal of the team. So it's a, it's a, it was a very interesting exercise. Yeah, because each level has different qu uh, yes. questions they are asking, right? And different requirements of yeah. why the things need to happen and when. Okay. And that also, like, I had to be present for the timeline, for the roadmap to be digestible to people. So I put some effort and I wrote it down. But if I wasn't there, it wasn't readable, not to the extent that I wanted. Yeah. Do you think that is something inherent in, in something like that? Or do you think it's actually possible to produce something that stands on its own? <sighs> I don't know. That's a good question. No, I don't, I don't think it's possible to, to produce mm. something that contains that level of, uh, of detail and abstraction at the same time. I think what could have been useful, taking one step further, and when I identified together with my boss, the whys, elaborate on those whys in a separate document or, um, I don't know, like even what I have, even just providing a legend so that people could understand why I was placing certain things, how to read, the, the timeline would have helped, but not to really understand the why. Okay. Uh, More of an artifact to, yeah. that people can remember after the fact, after talking to you, what it yes. was all about more or less. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's a trade-off on how much time you want to invest in that stuff, right? Maybe it's easier to talk to everyone <laughs> and it's faster than writing everything down in detail. There's that, but then you might end up having to answer questions once you have committed and that might bite you back. Like, especially in, a, in an area where, or in a company, in an environment where people are more on the cautious side, I think it's very beneficial to, again, it goes back to this design documents we were discussing some time ago. What are the alternatives that, are, that have been considered? And yeah. why did we discard them? Yeah, that's true. For 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 the long long term view, it's probably better to have it yeah. written down in some detail to to be able to go back and figure out has our assumption changed or is it yes. just we don't we forgot why we were doing something. Yeah. So yeah, it was an interesting ride. <laughs> All right, I guess that ends uh, for you post holiday and for me pre holiday yes. episode. <laughs> And I guess we'll have another break uh, that might be a bit the longer holiday again. limbo. And then we'll see how we do it in the summer. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, my my mic is small enough 
for it to be carried around if I don't forget about it. Yeah, I'll have to see how I'm doing it. Well, there's yes. still some time. <laughs> <laughs> well, your mic is bigger than mine. <laughs> yeah, but we have a car. Let's see. Let's yeah, see. yeah, there's yeah. A few true, months. true. We're not going to leave you alone, people. So, mm. promised. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe we will. But we'll come back Maybe. eventually. Okay. <laughs> All right. Where can people find you, Monica? You can find me on Twitter at uh, KFMolly with an I until Elon Musk finalizes his acquisition. <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> you can find me uh, uh, on my website, monikag.me, and a couple of other places, but you can look them up in uh, on my website. So where people can find you well they can find me on this podcast here mainly but <laughs> it's not useful i think here um you can also find me on twitter as ujh and i guess that that's it um if you want to get in touch with us and ask questions or suggest topics that we should cover you can email us at hosts at expandingbeyond.it yes all right everyone so thank you for listening and see you next time Bye-bye. See you next time.